I'm Tim Gombas, and this is Faith Improvised. It's a podcast where I can think out loud and talk with friends about things that interest me. Books, films, sports, music, culture, politics, the wonders and complexities of being Christian in this world, and my academic discipline, biblical studies. You're welcome to email me if you like at faithimprovised at gmail.com. In this episode, Steve and I talk about our identities as humans in relation to our jobs and careers. Technical issues sorted out. For some reason, could not uh, actually get our act together here. So uh, <clears throat> we employed our technical know-how and did a restart <laughs> of the ancient MacBook and it fixed all the issues. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Such a pain. Whatever. Technology. Man, I wanted to start with a really serious issue, and that is uh, something somebody emailed me about asking me for breakfast burrito recommendations in San Diego, <laughs> which I could not help this person oh, with. Yeah. But you were just in San Diego uh, like two weeks ago, maybe two two and a half weeks ago, and you hit yeah. a couple of spots. What were those? Really good ones, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. One's a really famous place it's it's a bigger place in um ocean beach i believe uh called konos k o n o s apostrophe s um and it it's great they're great they're i would say some of the best i've ever eaten but the the one thing about that place is well this time of year i really don't know but it, in the spring all the way to the fall during the tourist season it is uh busy 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 it's hard to find a place to park and that kind of stuff and it sometimes you can wait a half hour 45 minutes before you oh my word get seated it, it's just yes yeah, it's, it's crazy good and everybody knows it and then the the place that uh, my friends took me to the other place was i it it's owned by the uh the people well it, it was either founded by the people who made kono or established konos or something there's a connection there and it was called Comitas or Comitos, C-O-M-I-T-A-S, I think. And it's in the Mission Hills area of San Diego. Mm -hmm. But I, I can't remember exactly where, but you could probably, you know, just Google it and find it. Yeah, I was just at their mercy. They they, they lived their, their whole lives, and they were just driving me around. All this, yeah. this cool, cool surf shop called Birds. It's like one of the most historic ones in San Diego. I had all these like Beach Boys surfboards and it was like a surfboard oh, wow. museum in there. It was really cool. That's really awesome. Yeah, those are those are two. That's cool. Yeah, uh, this is Monday, February sixth, and so fifth. I think little. Yeah, the fifth. I signed up for a job tomorrow teaching third grade. The sixth. That's why six oh, is in boy. my head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna have a couple other words in your head when. <laughs> oh man, we'll see how this goes. Um, but a week ago Saturday, I was back at uh, Great White enjoying uh, mm. just the best breakfast burrito I've ever had. I mean, I'd like to try these places out in San Diego, but and then we're gonna be heading there in about a little under three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's two great. weeks from Saturday. We'll. Have to head down there for breakfast. Great wife. Uh, yeah. It's always a beautiful ride. I mean, they're getting 
terrible rain right now, but oh it'll yeah, be, totally. Be sunny in seventy when we're there. Yeah, I hope it is, man, because everybody's hunkering down, getting washed out. Yeah, Southern California is just not a good scene, man. You remember they when those cut... washes would just get raging like rivers? Just yeah. incredible. Yeah. Nowhere for all that water to go. I mean, it's a weird place in some ways. Yeah. You know, I think the AT and T got got canceled. I mean, they they're going to stop it at the third round. Oh, really? They're not. It's what Tony K was saying today. Oh, they're wow. not even going to because they've yet. got to get set up because today it's totally a no go. And half the course has been washed silly, and, and there's more, have more heavy rain for the next two days. So the PGA's got to get set up for the waste management open, which is a pretty wow. viewed tournament on the West Coast Swing out in Scottsdale, oh, yeah. I think. So Are you talking about the one that they play in L.A. at Riviera? They're going to, like, that's the cut that one week. short? No. Okay. No, the AT&T at Pebble Beach. Does, did it, does it usually end on a Monday? Well, I don't know, but they it was just canceled for two days of rain. So wow. it, they, I, the word I got. Oh, yeah, that's it, right. That's right. That's right. You and I were watching the third round yesterday. That makes sense. We were watching the recast of the third round. Yeah. And so apparently because of the incredibly inclement weather and like people were, shel- they had shelter in place warnings. I mean, oh, it was word. some honking storms coming off the Pacific. Yeah. So. I guess they just said, "All right, we're cutting it off at fifty-two and wow, or fifty-four, is it?" Yeah, fifty-four. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that is crazy. Yeah. So, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, when we're there in little little under three weeks, you know, the whole place will be like washed clean. Yeah, you know, with all that we'll be rain. Hopefully, that freshly be... scrubbed air. Yeah, totally, man. Hopefully, there'll be some places standing, at least places with breakfast burritos on offer. Yeah. We'll have to hit Russell's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about all the way down to San Diego, but. Yeah. It's a long long haul. Yeah. We'll get some good ones. Man, it is like uh, I remember my travels through the meals that I've had. You know, (laughs) I just, I mean, you and I both love traveling, but man, I just, I remember this place in San Francisco when Riley uh, took him out there for like a birthday trip. We were at this place called Plow, uh, P-L-O-U-G-H. And I was reading about it online early one morning, and it said, you know, opens at 9, get there at 8.30 if you want to get a seat. And I was like, come on, you know, how bad can it be? Because uh, it was like a weekday morning that we were there. This is like in August. And we got there at about 8.45 just to, you know, give a few minutes. I thought there was a line down the block. I couldn't believe it, man. Could not yeah. believe it. But the payoff was incredible. I had a big old breakfast called The Plow. And, uh, man, that was like seven years ago. I totally remember it. Oh, I remember yeah. every one of those English cooked breakfasts and Scottish cooked breakfasts that we've had. Mm, the best. Beat it. Just fuels oh, a no. day of goodness. Good way as any to remember your travels. Oh, totally, man. Totally. Uh, it's the sensual pleasures. That's what it's all about. So, yeah, tomorrow I uh, I found a job teaching third grade. Just a one-day gig. 
subbing. And uh, after three weeks of being the gym teacher, which I totally got into the groove with and totally just loved it. Um, I'm going to be going to a totally different school. Uh, Norton Commons Elementary, which I heard is a good school. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to find places that are well run and uh, hopefully responsible teachers, you know, that leave me with a lesson plan because, yeah, man, I don't want to face seven hours of sheer terror. Pandemonium. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. It's going to be, yeah. But it starts at 820, not 720. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, a bit of a later start. Give me a little bit more time in the morning to chill, deal with and all the anxious thoughts before I get in there. Walk them off. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of jobs, I just was um, thinking about um, thinking about jobs, which we've talked a bit about. Yeah. And thinking about how it is that it's so easy for us in a career-driven culture, I guess. I don't know. It's just the um, the default mode is to sort of identify ourselves with our jobs. Uh, yeah. Get our we get our sense of identity from our jobs, and uh, what's interesting is sort of in. Um, I mean, I've been ever since May. We were talking about that phone call yesterday when I called you in May, <laughs> after the appointment yeah. of a new president at the institution, oh, at which I formally taught. It. And um, that was the day when I knew that my time there was going to come to a halt. And it did three months later. Yeah. And um, the last uh, two and a half years has been a, a time of reconfiguring my life in, a, in dramatic ways. And um, there's a sense in which you also sort of since you've been an adult, you've not had like one career. You've not done one thing. Um, no. And so it's just, it's just, a, I mean, you've done dramatically different things. Um, yes. And so like, there's not like, you can't, like you can't identify yourself with your career or job because you don't have one. Mm-hmm. And no. um, knowing that my job career was going to come to a, um, either an end or go into some sort of mysterious, you know, liminal space. I had to do a lot of internal work between that day. Well, actually, stemming in like September 2020, knowing that the president of the school was going to be retiring, um, who I loved and who loved me and loved uh, the vision of the seminary and and everything was so supportive. But knowing that he was going to be retiring and knowing that he um, was such an exceptional educational leader and had such a clear-eyed vision of what like higher education was all about and what Christian higher education was all about and what a robust and generous evangelical identity was all about. Um, And knowing that that is so rare, I just did a lot of internal work over that coming year, that ensuing year from September, 2020, just thinking about what mattered to me. Mm -hmm. You know, what, like, who am I? What matters? What gives me my, my identity? And I um, came down to the reality that I'm not my career. I'm not my job. 
yeah. I'm beloved. I'm beloved by God. I'm beloved by my three kids, by my friends. And that's what matters. And then like everything else is gravy. Cause yeah. I might lose stuff. I might lose my job. I might lose my career might be put in some funky weird space. Um, but if I lost friends and family, that that would hurt. That um those are things that are not dispensable, but like a career, a job. Yeah. These are dispensable. I mean, that was a helpful I don't I'm not happy that I had to go through that, but that was a rich experience and kind of prepared for me for all of that um, to go away or, or to at least to change. I'm still able to be involved in teaching um, on a part-time basis, but um, certainly things have been altered for me and I don't feel like I got rocked identity wise mm-hmm. because of yeah. that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, I just think that was a valuable exercise. And I just wonder, how did you, like, how do you envision your value and identity in relation to jobs that you've had or a job that you've had? Yeah. Yeah, because it's been different for me because I've I've been, like you say, all over the map. Um, Yeah. And as as you were just talking, I was thinking I hadn't really thought about it. I've, I've not really... Other than when I was in the Navy for my first, when I was enlisted in the SEAL teams, that was the only singular job I had held for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And then after I got out of the Navy, and then I opened a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school, um, got, did my undergrad while I was running that thing. Um, and then in in seminary, I worked a couple jobs, construction work and security guard up at the college. And then... Yeah. Got and then when I graduated, I took a job at this little podunk church that could pay me barely enough to feed my family. Um, and and then I had I taught school for eight years in addition to pastoring, and then I started a lawn care business to supplement that for about eight years. You know, so I was running three jobs. Um, and I guess I guess my thought as I was thinking through it, and I still right now I I have VA disability. I have them teaching three, four courses a semester as an adjunct, which is yeah. it's all I want. You don't have to get caught up in the politics. I can sit and mm-hmm. sit at home and no committee work, <laughs> no committee work, hearing myself wax rhapsodic to myself. And, no student uh, advising. No, no. That's so great. And then I went back in as a chaplain when I was in doing my PhD program in the Navy, but I was in a reservist. So that was part time. It wasn't a full time gig. And even now, I'm really, you know, fitting into my shoes finally and doing what I've, I love more than probably, I mean, I, I love teaching in the classroom, but I don't see myself as a academic educator, you know, mm-hmm. in a classical sense of, oh, there's Professor Wiggins' office and he's got a tweet jacket, jacket on. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the whole nine yards. Oh, meet me at the university club for drinks afterward. that's never been my shtick i'm and then now i'm doing i'm running airbnbs and making good money but it i I would call it hospitality like um, making sure the place looks good making sure they have a bottle of bourbon and little extras that they're just like wow that my big thing now is oh five star another five stars that's great you know cutting the grass (laughs) 
yeah. but doing things for ones that are that are for me that pay the bills i mean it, the bottom line is all of our jobs or careers if you want to call it that although we're living in a day where the, the old career like my grandfather had starting at day one and retiring at year 30 are really going by the wayside i mean it's much yeah. more fluid a lot of moving around, a lot of not the traditional that our, our parents and our parents' parents' generation grew up with. Yeah. So I think I always, along that path, and still to this day, I didn't never want anything to trap me in to feel where I couldn't walk away from it if it got to be too much. Mm-hmm. And it started when I was pastoring. I, I was like, if I, if I can't, if I start getting upset with this place... I've got to walk away. I've got to have the freedom to walk away. Yeah. And um, so I guess I've carved all these sub sub jobs in career. I mean, fortunately, I'm not really I'm not scared of hard work. So if I do have to take on something extra, I I do it. But, you know, I've I've been so variegated in the stuff I've done. It's it's not even funny. Then I've yeah. I've never really let any of it define me. I guess the closest that came was when I was a SEAL and I got six, I got six years in and got orders to the most prestigious command in the country. And that was a real struggle for me because I was like already feeling that I'm done with this. I've got it. I've, I've figured it out. I'm decent at it, but um, I don't want to be this the rest of my life. Hmm. So for me, it was not wanting to be pigeonholed into something. And, and I, you know, me, I, of my personality part of it is i get bored with things really easy like i'll do something and i'll get decent at it and i'll be like all right i need something yeah. new i'm kind of I'm bored with that <laughs> yeah so it really never had a chance to get hold of me as my identity because yeah. i've done so many like piecing together those things but i also say that's great because like when you were thinking through that year to two of whoa when when the kind of the, the the axe fell for you um you i think you became healthier because you realized the things yeah the non-attachment to something that is it, it is very tenuous and um yeah can just be swept right away from you i don't think there's any job that's not like that yeah totally especially i mean i realized <clears throat> some time ago that evangelical institutional life is uh, is actually pretty unstable and uh, you know, in, in an institution that's going well and where things, where there's a good ethos, it's like, uh, I mean, I told my colleagues all the time, these are the good days, treasure this because this could go away. And we had a blast, just loved it there. And um, it, it did go away. And I, I felt, um, I didn't feel rocked by that. Um but I think it's also, it's easy to assume that other institutions of different kinds or jobs or careers are stable. <clears throat> but that that's all, that's largely like illusory. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much instability, especially now with just so many political and economic forces going haywire. And, um, you know, the way, the way that things have become so technologized so that people are just cogs in a machine and undervalued and devalued. Um, I don't know, man, in so many ways kind of being decoupled in a sense from what was my career uh, feels like a little 
bit of, I mean, I'm in a privileged position, but it feels like a little bit of having been cut loose from capitalism um, yeah. and, and having been given a little bit of uh, like a reprieve or like a, a long so far, a several year um, sojourn into having the capacity and the, the ability and the opportunity to kind of build my life the way that I want it centered around other things than a job, you know, right. centered around my friends and my, my, um, my leisure pursuits, not to say that I'm just yeah. laying around, but like the things that I love, right. the things that give me like in the rich sense of leisure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Traveling and reading. Yeah. And learning and, uh, and, and um, teaching in ways that are, that are sort of outside the the orbit of a career or doing this podcast right. that we're, we're doing. I'm yeah. just doing things that I love without right. thinking I've got to build not only yeah, like yeah. a stable income, but I've got to build prestige. I've got to establish myself or I've got to become known or, or, or there's just none of that. It's just like, I'm yeah. just going to do what I love. And right. um, especially in the last, five and a half months since I've moved here and, and have met folks. What's been kind of funny is, um, you know, people have asked like, Oh, you know, what, what brought you here? And, um, you know, did you, did your job move or did you come here for a job? It's like, no, I just, I just decided to move to a new city for a new start and be near my friend. <laughs> That's like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. yeah I just what? been through some Nobody life does. transitions and just thought this is a cool place to move to. And here I am. Yeah. Teaching third yeah. grade, something in third grade. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like it's what's yeah. interesting is in your case, if someone said, like, what do you do? Like, this is how we introduce ourselves. Like, what's your job? Okay. You know? Yeah. You just say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gentleman farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Lost I'm, a king. I'm, a yeah. <laughs> I'm a poet farmer. <laughs> yeah. I'm a builder of aesthetics. I don't know. I don't know how I would answer that. There you go. You're an aesthete. Aesthete. Yeah. But it, exactly. Funny, you know, yeah, our education system's kind of jacked up. And I'm not, man, I, I, don't, I don't mean anything negative about teachers. That's one of the hardest jobs and one of the most valuable oh, ones. Oh, God, yeah. But like, if you take our societal values as a whole, they're not that great. Like, I, I was doing, looking some stuff up for something I'm working on about like the European Union requires businesses to give a month of paid leave every year hmm. to to workers um unless they're self-employed it, it, if if you're working for a company they require it and uh not to have to worry about healthcare it's why there's so many studies where western europeans are a lot happier than we are hmm. here in here in north america in our context of just the uh the grind of mm -hmm. of um our our work schedules it's okay there's only one work schedule of the countries i was looking at surveyed that was worse as far as numbers of hours of week that they worked and that's in korea hmm. but we we work the most hours per week of, of anywhere uh, other than korea and and um that eh, you know i don't know to me i'm thinking that that can't be good but going back to thinking about our educational pipeline, we really, it, it's not very creative in the way it explores what some, what gives somebody life and what makes them really shine. And, and, uh, 
it's like, well, you could be this, uh, your math scores are high, so you could go into engineering or, you know, yeah. and it's all kind of geared toward how do you make the most possible money with the skill set you've been given? Like that's kind of the, the structure, I mean, yeah. exceptions, but, um, whereas I was thinking, man, I wish somebody had a, some savvy counselor along the way, but they're all, it's all part of the just system of, no, this is how you do it. You don't think yeah. creatively is what you don't do because that, that, you know, that's going to yeah, go off no the place rails. For that. And no place for that. Whereas like, I look back on the things that I love the most, like, of course, as I had to take and like, I love shop class. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I loved it. I mean, I went on to a college track, uh, as they called it back then, I, I, college prep. I don't know what they called it, but it was like, okay, we're going to, you're going to go to the courses that prepare you for college. Cause that's what my family yeah. did. And yet, when I got to college, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't like it. I didn't want to study. And, I, and then that led me into the military because I was like, I want to go go places and see things and learn new things and have some wild um, times. Have some wild times. <laughs> wasn't ready to just sit and study and read, um, but but to learn in other ways. And and it you know it almost like I think a good question would be what are the things growing up that we really love to do. That really jazzed us and think outside of the box and how those might be ways we could make a, we could earn a living. Maybe not always, but a lot of cases. So I ended up, I ended up doing that now. I'm renovating my barn and I've renovated a house and finished Allison's house. And, um, you know, just these things that I learned that I pick up a lot quicker. It's not everybody's thing. I'm just saying for me, it was like, yeah. man, if I'd have been paying more careful attention back in shop class when I just yeah. lo- I couldn't wait to get there and build something yeah. new. Um, but and, and, and also in our society, I'm talking ours here in North America, there's a lot of job snobbery, I call it. Hmm. You know, doctors, lawyers, famous people. Oh, yeah politicians even these are the real movers and shakers these are the real valuable people yeah ceos people who matter yeah people who matter and and it, when i was thinking about when i think about it like soberly it, like some of those people are the worst characters on the oh, planet yeah. Like, yeah really bad actors um yep. who yeah they may have a lot of money but they're complete assholes and they don't treat people well yeah. whereas you have a lot of custodians and like the lady Lucia who cleans my house, she's so sweet and uh, so conscientious about everything yeah. she does. Yeah. Um, but people would be like, "Oh, she cleans houses." Oh, yeah. I'm like, "Well, she's a way better person than a lot of people yeah. making a lot more money." And it's yeah, I just I, just, I want to eschew that kind of job snobbery. I think is the best word for it. Yeah. But I think I got. We can all get caught into it. It's I easy. thought, well, if, if I'm a PhD professor, whoa, whoa, that makes me a better person. Well, yeah, how did I have that more value. Get... Yeah, I have more value. Well, in some of that is you can see I'm up here. I'm giving you your grades. I'm the person that's important in this classroom. You can go that route, but you see very quickly you just become that much more of an asshole. If that's yeah, totally, man. Yeah, yeah. I so, remember. Uh, yeah, what were we gonna say? No, nothing. That that was it. I remember when I was in high school, um, my dad got me a summer a summer job. So I worked two summers in high school, uh, one summer as a runner on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade. 
Uh, so I take the train downtown every morning. And uh, so I was on the trading floor. And then the next summer, I was at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, which is a couple blocks away. These two trading floors were, I mean, you know, I don't know how much money is going through there and money yeah. changing hands and all these traders, which they don't. I mean, everything's electronic these days, of course. Um, yeah. And I remember my dad saying he, he got me this job through some connections. I remember him saying that he was a bit worried about setting me up with that because I might like fall in love with it or, or um, you know, see that, uh, you know, some kind of a job and high finance was, was, uh, you know, in my future or whatever. And it's so interesting that I got the exact opposite impression. I mean, I worked with some really fun people, but by and large, like, I mean, there's like an owner of a Chicago sports team was on the floor trading, you know, whatever stocks and bonds, commodities. And um, some of these other people, they were just the worst people. Like I was I I was struck by the fact that like, oh, my God, these people are just like anybody else. uh, And some of them are worse. Like these are just having a ton of money doesn't make you any better or having some high flying career. Uh, and living in certain suburbs and driving certain cars and going places on the weekends up, you know, up to the house on the lake. It's just, it, it was really eye opening for me. And I think that actually yeah. ended up being a really good education. Um, yeah. And going back to what you're saying about um, the educational system, it, for the most part, just prepares us to be cogs in a machine, like just figure out. Over the course of these 12 years of education, you know, what your major is going to be in college. And then that's going to kind of slot you into the economy in, you know, in a managerial role or in a worker position or as a creative or whatever. I mean, there's so little room anymore for creatives. But um, okay. and what's interesting to me is how it is that um, I think that all of the Christian talk about vocation and calling and all that is simply Bible talk for the very same reality. Um, I mean, I, I was really helped by this by a, uh, a THM student, uh, Richard, that did a really fascinating project several years ago on calling language in the New Testament mm. and in Paul. <laughs> and calling language only has to do with like call as an apostle or call to be Christian. It doesn't have anything to do with job or anything job, else right. like that. But uh, vocation language has been co-opted, or at basic, basically it's, it was invented, sort of uh, along with the um, Protestant work ethic. It was invented uh, to sort of um, baptize the, the very same language that prepares people to play a role in capitalism. Um yeah there's no such thing as a call to be this yeah, yeah. job or that job. And yeah. I feel like, um, I was fed all of that growing up and it really turns out to be entirely bullshit. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, find your way, find your way in life, do, do what you love. But at the end of the day, really, it's all about paying bills. What matters in life, uh, within a Christian conception is, finding a place in rich community life and cultivating friendships and service. But whatever you have to do to buy food and pay rent, like who cares? Right. Cause you're not your job. Right. 
But in all that vocation talk, I mean, you are your job. And you just, it, yeah, it just puts God behind it all. It, yeah, it basically right. just puts God behind all the talk of like preparing. Yeah, totally, man. It's dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like it's one further way uh, that I was sort of like hoodwinked and given a whole set of illusions with, with God talk behind it all, which is awful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, that whole word calling is just so wild on so many levels. Like, so if you miss it, yeah, then your life is just a failure. Well, yep. you missed your calling. Yeah. Well, there goes that. I'm just a piece of shit. I guess I, I guess I suck. And, uh, yeah. you've been a disappointment oh, to God. Oh, oh. Hope you just grovel through life. Yeah. But you know, some of the too that I wonder, I, and I haven't read as much of this as I should have, but like um, Adam Smith was onto this kind of stuff way back. And I mean, he's, he's looked at as the great writer of the treatise on capitalism, the wealth of nations. But he said, or he said many times, this is problematic because people are going to start to feel like cogs in a machine. They're going to feel like they're just being used to run this big economic structure and they're going to lose touch with with reality and and you know and that that laps over into where you know religion came into it to say well we can tell people you know you better you're not worthy of anything good you're worthy of being thankful you have a job and then all this theology came into where people just suffer through life doing the most miserable things i mean at least i've had the privilege to do things that were somewhat of my choosing, but not, uh, there's a lot of jobs. I would really, I don't, I couldn't do them. I, I, I'd go nuts. I'd end up in a, in a straight jacket because I just, I don't know. I just, that's not where my mind goes, but, uh, and I'm thankful for that. I, I'm just lucky. That's the yeah. bottom line. I'm not any better or worse, just lucky to be able to do what I've been able to do. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a deep rabbit hole and that whole forming your identity and, and getting that tied to a calling whew, that's dangerous waters. That's the yeah. stuff that'll, you know, I, I was it reading is. an S no, it was a rolling stone a few years ago, my last trip to Japan. So that's more than a few years ago. And there was an article, it was a really depressing article on, the high suicide rates, the highest suicide rates right now still are veterans, sadly. But way up there, way, way up there are middle-aged white men uh, in, mm. in the Midwest states. Wow. Because, because of the collapse of stable business careers, like you can't count on anything. Like yeah. one of the, professions they cited in this article were truck drivers because hmm. there's a need there's a massive need right now for truck drivers um hmm. of all Make a mental note yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but and yeah and so so all these guys who were laid off from ford or chevy or these lifelong jobs they'd have which were pretty good they were union jobs they were paid okay wages i you know compared to what ceos make that's another joke but they were they were doing all right. And then all of a sudden all that was swept out. And then they're like, well, I got a family here. I guess I'll drive a big rig. And so they never get to see their family, but they're making good or better money than they were, hmm. but totally sucked into this 
like groundhog day thing of get up, go fire up that big rig. And it just, they just became hopeless, like tired and hopeless, like another mile, another mile on this big rig that could take out a half a County. If I'm not paying attention every second, which I've seen that happen, but, uh, it just, the, the loss of hope that was part of that getting caught in a really cruel kind of system. Yeah. Yeah. What I think is, yeah, what I think is really cruel just looking back at my own experience is um, all the hope that is generated in all of that messaging when, you know, when we were young, um, you know, we're told pursue your passion, uh, find your calling, um, all this hyper optimism, like, Mm -hmm. like uh, what, what valedictorians say when they're given the speech at their high school graduation, we're going to go out and change the world and blah, 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 all this hope (laughs) that is all articulated by people who have absolutely no life experience. And all of that hope is sort of directed toward us happily taking our place as cogs in the machine. And then, you know, some years go by and, you know, job security isn't what you thought it would be. All the all that early promise of if you pursue a certain kind of life, you're going to be happy and fulfilled. It doesn't pay off. So that kind of despair, um, yeah, is inevitable. It's it's like all that mm-hmm. early promise. It just cannot pay off. A, a job, yeah. even if you love it, a job can't give you that. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't designed to. You know, a, a job can be fulfilling. I mean, I just heard from a friend today. Uh, about how happy she is in her in her job and loves what she does it's like what a privilege that's yeah. such a privilege um and i had that for a while and then it was gone yeah but you did. i'm and so you glad did. i did the work internally to really figure things out before it disappeared because i would have been devastated you know this is what i was supposed to do for the next 30 years and i'm you know right fulfilling all my giftedness or whatever um <laughs> yeah but things are unpredictable and things change and if we don't, if exactly. we haven't done that kind of work, um, then we're not prepared to actually take, I think, the delight and joy in the jobs that we, we could take because there are, yeah, you know, there are particular sure. delights and joys that we can have, but I mean, it can't sort of scratch some ultimate itch. Right. No way. No way. Because at the end of the day, whoever's paying you, they're paying you to do something that has its headaches, its share of headaches. Yeah. No matter what the job is, yeah. Even totally. even if you, if it's a fulfilling one, it's one that is on the better end of the spectrum. I always say, if you just if it was like going to Disneyland every day, you you would be paying somebody to do that. They wouldn't be yeah. paying you if it was just so mm-hmm. much fun all the time. But so there's always those factors. I remember. I think perspective for me is huge to keep in mind. I you you'll remember my friend Ted in seminary. Yeah who was a professional golfer, he had his PGA card and um, he kind of took me under his wing. He he liked hearing about the military and I liked the golf lessons he was giving me. And he, he was letting me go to the range like three times a week and giving me a, yeah. a, I think I paid him some, but he didn't charge me the going rate, which I couldn't afford in seminary. Jeez, yeah. And um, got to actually, I really fell in love with golf during that time of my life. And, um, when you're taking lessons from a PGA pro, 
you, if you do what they say, you're going to actually be able to get the ball off the ground and hit some halfway decent shots, which is hilarious to think about how hard golf is. But oh yeah, I thought, you know, in that time I was like, oh, if, if I could do anything, if I could do anything in this world, I would just love to be a pro golfer like Tim. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he hits the ball. He, he looks, he, he woos and wows people around the golf course because he's, he's a pro. Yeah. And then one day, you know, I remember asking him, I'll never forget this. I was like, man, Ted, you must just have the dream life. I mean, you're a PGA pro. You can play like, a, and he's still young and, and good looking. You know, he's like, I'm like, he goes, man, some days, most days I hate my life. And wow. I was like, whoa, wait a second. It, it kind of hit me like in the stomach. I had to catch my breath a little bit. I'm like, what do you mean? You're, yeah, you're. You're a pro. Got it all. You do what you, you do what you love. <laughs> yeah. He goes, what I do every day for about 10 hours a day from like eight in the morning to when the sun goes down at night is teach people how to swing. Half of them don't want to be there. Half of them are snot-nosed brats. Half of them are cantankerous. And I've just got to be the consummate professional and work yeah. through all of these attitudes yeah. and try at the end of the day, to improve their swing. Yeah. No matter if they listen to me or not. He goes, I just get up some mornings and like, not another day on that range. And That's I'm wild. Like, so I came back and I was like, well, Ted, why don't you just go on tour? Why don't you go on tour and make a living <laughs> that way? Then you deal with all these lessons. Yeah. He's like, he looked at me. He was like, bro. If you knew how hard he goes, I can't make what was then the corn fairy tour. Yeah. I can't even qualify for the second tier tour. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I hear, I see you hitting all these amazing shots. He goes, bro, to get on tour, those guys are just so good. It's you wouldn't, so you wouldn't be able to wrap your head yeah. around it. And I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. But anyway, and he said in tour life, cause I've talked to a couple of them can also be hell. Oh the yeah. road be on and yeah not winning and having to yeah. flip the, your bill for your travel and you don't have big sponsors yet he goes that is no walk in the That's park either pressure so just backing up my, my takeaway from this whole is i've never forgotten that i'm like what might look like the sexiest job or calling or whatever you want to call it it could be it could be a living hell and uh, yeah. i mean i got so many others but yeah that i'll never forget that yeah, anything becomes a job after a while. I mean, it's got, yeah, the best job in the world has loads of upside. But, I mean, there's always things about it that you hate. And there's a reason you're getting a paycheck to do it. There's a reason for you're sure. getting a paycheck to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell you what, man. My calling is for sure not elementary education. <laughs> Nor was it mine. <laughs> I can speak from experience. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The funny thing is, is like, um, the funny thing is walking into that school every morning, knowing that is not, I'm not tied to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's knowing that it's for a season. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I think allowed me to walk in with just a smile and have fun with people, you know, kind of mess with, students and you yeah. know, goof around them a little bit and um lighten it up yeah and i was told that as a sub 
um, you know, teachers largely ignore you because you're you're gonna be there for a day and you're yeah. you're gone. Yeah. But I, I had some great conversations with people and I, I felt like I was really yeah. sort of welcomed in and, and um just didn't take myself too seriously and had a bunch of good conversations and, and really have enjoyed it so far. I hope to go back yeah. to that school. Uh we'll see what happens. I I didn't see any jobs advertised except for like a half day one, but yeah. Um anyway. So if if you are uh so if you're asked like what do you do have you thought about saying that you're a hospitality engineer <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come up with some no, kind of i i i usually just say i teach uh, i'm a professor i teach uh I yeah undergrads you know because that's the bulk of what i do um, yeah i mean it has yeah. been over since 20 2008 i've been a yeah a professor i've always had a job on campus at a university so yeah, I mean, I it guess that's yeah. Consistent. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, even then, but, no but I always I'm only an adjunct. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the point of yeah. qualifying it? I mean, there's just no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just raises questions and all that. Yeah. You get yeah. my. Yeah. You'd say my employment portfolio is diversified. Yeah, that's right. Just like my hedge fund. <laughs> <laughs> it is diversified. Yeah. I'm yeah, happy. To put a positive really, spin on it. Yeah, really happy. Figured a few things out over the years. Got a hell of a lot more to figure out, but that in a happiest place I've ever been, as far as yeah. putting putting food on the table, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I feel like um, uh, from the perspective of years ago, like where I'm at right now in this unpredictable season. I would not have, I wouldn't have mapped this out or I wouldn't have sort of like said, yeah, that's what I'm going to aim for when I'm 52. Um, but I feel the same way. I feel, I feel like the happiest that I've ever been. Um, yeah. I mean, just taking a walk this morning and just laughing about all the stupid things we laughed about yesterday and goofed around. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I feel like my heart has ever been so light. Um, there's been a lot, there's like some aspects of uncertainty still, uh, with the job scene. But, um, for the most part, I feel really confident in having built what I have built so far around the things that mean everything to me, you know, I mean, friends, community involvement and things that are really rich, um, like the food pantry up here. Um, yeah. F- having found a good church community, I feel like th- this is what, these are the basic building blocks of a life that I, that, that I love instead of um, having moved for a job. I, I saw right. a job advertised recently that I was like, man, I, I, I know some people there that would be a good fit, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I'm done, I'm done moving for a job. Yeah. Uh, I'm here. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna put down roots, and we'll figure things out. That's that's not the cultural script that I inherited. Right. Right. You know, you build it. You build. You move. You make massive moves in your life for your career, for your job, right. because that's what means everything. You feel like you've got to justify yeah. all your training, investment of education, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't. Yeah. Anymore, I feel like I want to build my life around what what gives me life and what gives me joy. Yeah, 
Yeah. A big one for me was finding out a place I wanted to live and could be content living for the rest yeah. of my life. Um, although I, I want to do a lot of traveling. I just, there's so yeah. much of the big, big, great world I want to see. And uh, I've seen a lot of it. I have so much privilege, but where's a cozy place I could call home that I can always come to as a base camp and yeah and enjoy being there every day and especially when the weather's like it is today we have a gorgeous day here in kentucky it's oh 67 God, degrees it's, it's just I like know, it's one perfect. less day of winter thank you oh yeah love it. it's great but yeah just being 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 committed to a place and and people that i want to be yeah. committed to yeah yeah those yeah jobs eh. they come, come and go, and, go. And, but yeah it, it's great it's great that you you've done so much work and figured out that your freedom, your flexibility, and your choosing to do be with whom you want. It's way more important than oh, I ha- I'm, I'm an endowed chair, and you're gripping yeah. every day of your life to try to hold on to something. Yeah, for that reason, yeah. Find out, find what you love, do it for the rest of your life. For me, that's <laughs> Rushmore. <laughs> Got it pretty figured out, Max. What's the secret? <laughs> the best ever. Yeah, totally, man. I was running through all the crazy lines this morning in my walk, just laughing. I just Yeah, of course. It's just the best part of life. Having laughs. my Rushmore. And keeping it light. Yeah. That's why I feel like I've found yeah. mine for the most part. Just a couple yeah. wrinkles to iron out. Yeah. Cool, man. As always, thanks for the good conversation.